0: The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I'm kind of homesick for a country Talk to you about, I earnestly desired to speak to you about this message, Luke chapter 12, um, also a little bit out of Matthew, but the main text is Luke chapter 12. If you take your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, interesting how the Holy Spirit plans things, uh, makes them happen. Um, starting in verse 16 there, I'm just going to real quickly Come down to where I want to go, which is verse 35 in that area. But let me let me give you a little preamble, a little preamble to what uh, the context of where Jesus is here. We see the parable of the rich fool. Most of you know that that uh, he said, "I'm going to pull down my barns and this is for verse 18 and build greater, and I'll bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul." Oh, that's much good. It's laid up for many years. My IRAs look good. 401Ks look good. I got some silver, some diversity. I got silver, some gold, some some stocks, some utilities. I uh, have uh, some weapons, some ammunition. I'm a life member of the NRA. Uh, it's in the Greek there. But uh, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Thou fool. This night thy well, well, soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he laid, and then the key verse, verse 21, that's the, the capstone. So was he that layeth up treasure for himself and not rich toward God. And I think that's what our brother was just talking about, really. You're in business, you're making money, and you look at it, and you say, what am I doing this for? There's nothing wrong with being in business if God's told you to be in that business. But ultimately... We're all in the same business, and that's to reach souls for Christ. We are servants of God. We're not like the other businessmen of the world, are we? And then you see, he says uh, Jesus, says, "Take no thought." Verse twenty-two for your life, what you shall eat. That that verse is so powerful. Neither your body, what you shall put on, for life is more than meat, and your body more than raiment. So, He talks about considering the lilies, considering the ravens. You know, and let's go down through there. Uh, you're not able to add anything to your life by any kind of anxiety or any kind of worry, ladies. Just get over the anxiety and get over the worry and get over all the thoughts because for us men or you ladies, it doesn't do us a bit of good. Amen. We can't change anything by worrying about it. We trust God and go on. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, that's easy to get up here and talk about. Uh, consider the lilies and all that, and he goes on, you know that God doesn't, he clothes the field better than the kings were clothed. You think he's not going to take care of you and he's not about you. In verse 28, there's a summation. If then God so clothed the grass, which is a day in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, oh ye of little faith? And then we go down a little bit further, where, you know, he. he you see the subject he's talking about here. Um, The world seeks after these things, don't you be like them, verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, He basically says in verse 33, Sell that ye have, and give alms, and provide yourselves bags, which wax not old. the treasure in heaven, in the heavens, that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will be. Your heart be also, and then we start with verse 35 let your loins be girded about, your lights burning. For yourselves, like uh, you, yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that he may open unto him immediately. So, God's gonna come, knock on your door. Everybody has this experience God comes by, knocks on your door. He knocks on your door about salvation. You say, yes, I want to be saved, just like you did when that guy preached. I want to be saved. But that was just the beginning of it. God comes by again, down the road a ways. He knocked on your door that day. He says, there's got to be something more to this life than just what I'm doing. There's got to be something more lasting. And he knocked on your door again. I think God comes by a few times in our lives, and he knocks on our doors. And verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. The key to the message tonight is watching and his exhortation that we should be watching in a constant manner. I verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet will come forth and serve them. All I can say is I think you should put in your Bible there W-O-W. You Take your marker and put W-O-W on that verse. You mean to tell me? Read that. You mean to tell me? That Jesus Christ is going to serve me? No, I'll be like Peter. You're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to serve me. What does he say there? He shall gird himself. He shall sit down to me. The supper of the Lamb, chapter 19. Then, verse 38, and he shall come in the second watch. Ooh, there's a first watch. Most of us know a first watch, right? We know the second watch is a little tougher than the first watch. Or the third watch, that third watch is real tough. I've done all of them. And find them, so blessed are those servants. If he finds you at it, he finds you awake, he finds you engaged. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. And I think the capstone is in verse 40 as we saw along the way, he would see God's typical teaching method of the Bible is he'll teach and then he'll sum, it'll be a summation statement. In verse 40, Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. What a warning. What a heads up. It's been said, failure. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Jesus is clear with one overall thought in this passage that I don't think anybody can escape is be prepared as a born-again Christian and be aware in this world and in this life, you only get one shot of what is really valuable. Man, I hope that the the folks sitting here tonight at the gospel uh, know that, and have determined what is valuable, what's really worth giving your life for, what's really worth giving your time for. Um, interesting, our missionary would be with us tonight because that's what he's decided. Uh, people have told me, Brother Bill, you're just lucky. You're just lucky, boy, that God called you and you got you got it called into the ministry and and you got to serve Him. And uh, I, I read a statement one time where it says, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Luck is where, when preparation meets opportunity. Uh, when God came by my house and I wrestled with, this, and I think everybody wrestles with where to invest your life, and God came by and asked me to invest my life uh, uh, for him, and and I and I didn't know exactly what area he wanted to invest my life in. What, he, what where he, where, what, how, when, nothing was explained to me. God doesn't do that. He just says, "I want you to give your life to me." Are you willing? And I know I wrestled around thinking, "Oh, what things I'm giving up? Oh, if I give my life now, I didn't know he'd call. He may have called me into business full time. He made me. He may have had me to be a plumber for him full time." He may have had me to earn a living by being an electrician or possibly some sort of other kind of occupation. But that wasn't what he was really discussing. What he was discussing, am I going to be number one? Or will electrical work be number one? Or will plumbing be number one? Or will real estate be number one? Or will something else be number one? In whatever you do to make a living is not what he's discussing here. Everybody, by the grace of God, is full-time. Or you're not right with God. If you have not understood God's call of being putting the kingdom of God first in your life, then you missed being full-time for God. Full-time, where you get your paycheck does not really make you full-time. It's where your heart is. Where's your heart? I've known... Businessmen win hundreds of people to Christ. I know. I know uh, veterinarians that do bus ministries. I know medical doctors that that go out door to door. I mean, their heart is in the ministry, as they've said. I've heard them say that that's their passion. What that tells me is, the kingdom of God's number one. Everything else is second, third an improper order by the way because life has that. I gave up every other opportunity. I just got, I felt God wanted me to be prepared because where are preparation meets opportunity you know where that is. That's when something happens good and so I knew I needed to be prepared what brother Adam's doing he's preparing. He doesn't know what he's preparing for. he has no he don't know a specific. God is slow to give you the specifics. He wants you to prepare because it's just the right thing to do. Amen? Should everybody memorize Scripture? Should your doctor know Scripture? Should your veterinarian know Scripture? Should your plumber know Scripture? Amen? It wouldn't hurt them. They may be able to be a better plumber if they knew Scripture. Amen? Everybody ought to know Scripture. So I went to school for seven years. I began to read my Bible 17 years old. I knew that had to be it. Now, you're not gonna do anything for God if you don't know his word. Amen. It's just simple, right? Preparation. Began to prepare. Memorizing scripture is part of the preparation. And you're right about that. You don't have to have your pretty soon. You can go soul winning, don't have to carry a Bible with you. You can go soul winning without a Bible. Now, I recommend it because it's good to show them. This comes out of the Bible. This isn't just because they don't necessarily know whether what you're saying is true or not. And so you can quote scripture to them, and it's wonderful, but it's good to show them this is the Bible. And God once in a while I'll have you forget that. You know, you'll mumble, jumble, stumble all over that, so you go back to the Bible and know that's where you got to get it. But I had no idea where. I just started reading my book, preparation. I knew that Jesus had knocked on my door. I knew that I was a servant of God, a born-again servant of God. Didn't know where, who, how, when, or what. And I just wanted to be right with God. And I felt, you know what, I felt it was his job to show the who, where, what, why, when, if I'm willing, amen. So I just did one day in front of another, one day in front of another. I knew going to church was the right thing to do. Being where God's people are, where the preaching of the Bible was, where people got called of God, uh, I just knew that was right. So my wife and I, when we were first married and Troy was first born that first year, uh, see, we carried it over. He went to church six days a week. He didn't know, me. he went to church six days a week. Troy went to church six days a week. So did I. Troy started out in the bus ministry before he was one year old. Carried him on that old, that old uh, Hemi in, in sub-zero weather, 17 below zero sometimes. We'd be on that thing. And have that kid bundled up. He looked this like you couldn't even see him. Jesus is telling us here that he's coming back someday to gather his children up, and he's going to reward them for their behavior while he was gone. It doesn't take a genius to see that. You can read it. He is warning us, he is exhorting us to start our preparation for his return, and he makes it clear that he wants us to do some things for him. He wants us to do some things. Now, what are some of those things? Let me just give you a real quick list of some things. These aren't all the things, but these these are the lion's share of what God wants His servants to do. Now, I, didn't, I did I ask you what occupation you were doing? Did I ask you where your expertise of making a living is going to be? No, because I have believed from, from early on in my life that everybody is full-time and a servant of God, and everybody should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Do you agree? Isn't that what it says? It doesn't specifically say just those who get paid uh, by a church uh, to be their pastor or assistant pastor or other, those who get a check of it. No, it never says that. Missionaries, you know, just everybody, brother, everybody, everybody. First of all, the Bible says, so what is some of the preparation a servant of God has to do? Number one, you have to be evangelistic. I just don't I put it first because I think it is first. Jesus' last words, we're going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is just a summation statement. Get out there and start talking it up. Amen? Talk it everywhere. Talk it where you go. Give it in gospel track. Give it in every form you can give it in. Put it on Facebook. Put it in Twitter. Put it on whatever those other social medias are. Put it in gospel track. Put it in print. Pass them out. Leave them in cars. Leave them in the Leave them in the, uh, uh, Hallmark Leave them in the Walmart. Leave them everywhere you can. Just leave the gospel everywhere. This year so far, over a hundred thousand gospel tracks have been left by you people all over this place, and we've got the phone calls. I had somebody I wish I could remember who it was right now. I can't remember who it was, but they told me that when they when they came into town, they found a track. this one thing and then they said well they found a track in another thing and then they went somewhere else and found another one of our tracks they said this must be the church I'm saying glory to God that encouraged my heart you just about can't buy anything in Bonita unless it's sealed real good I think some of our people got a razor knife and I think they slip them in there I think some of them cut the tape and slap some tracks in I don't know but I don't know how in the world one of our tracks got in a washing machine. They're pretty sealed up. We're supposed to be evangelistic. Second thing you're supposed to be to be prepared for the opportunity that's getting ready to come is you're to be holy. Holy. Love not the world, 1 John 2, 15, 16, 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That is a lot easier to quote than it is to do. You need God's help with that. These things of the world are alluring. These things of the world look like they're the what's important. These things of the world look like what's necessary. These things of the world, whoo, tomorrow, ah, uh, whoa! people will be out there on the beach drinking and getting drunk, thinking that's having a good time. We'll be having a good time. Love not the world, things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. And what happens? Another warning. The world passeth away, and the lusts thereof. but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want to be that guy. I want to be the one that does the will of God. 1 Peter 1:15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means all manner of life. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Where is it written? It's written in Leviticus. So from one end of the Bible to the other, you be like God. What is being holy? It's being free from sin and being like God. Being free from those things which just God despises and hates and are destructive and being uh, full of those things that God gives us like like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, non-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those things. Have those things and be free from those things. Amen? I know that. So I know we're supposed to be evangelistic. I know we're supposed to be holy and pure from evil because that's immediately what God does to his child. He begins to, first thing I had to do, when I got right with God, I quit smoking. Well, that was a process. Then I had to quit, I quit drinking. That was easy. Then I had to quit smoking marijuana. That was easy. Then I had to quit taking uh, LSD. That was easy. Then I had to quit taking meth. And that was easy. Then I had to quit cussing. I'm not completely delivered. That's a deeper one than I ever thought would go, you know what I mean? Wow. I told you a story, but for the visitors, I'll tell it again. One of our deep, wonderful, godly members had a stroke. For you that work in the medical profession, know that you can have a stroke and you lose your self-control. And his wife came to me. And I went up to the hospital, a faithfully faithful pastor visiting the sick person in the hospital. went up to the hospital, and she stopped me outside the room. She said, I don't want you to go in there. His name was Ori, same as his name as my dad. Ori Dumont. I'll just tell you his whole name. And Ori, Ori, she said, is I don't, I just don't think, preacher, that Ori's saved. Now, man, Ori was saved. If Ori's not saved, none of us are saved. I said, Ori's saved. He lived many, many years for Christ. Well, preacher, he's this swearing like I've never heard swear words. I mean, he was coming up with some uh, even stretch me. I got one hold of one of the nurses, and I said, Is this something? She says, We see this all the time. I said, that's what's happened to me. I had a stroke. (laughs) The third thing, demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I just mentioned that, amen. We should have the full fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, we should pray, pray, pray. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplications. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4.6, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer you can't go anywhere in the bible without prayer what is it the bible is God talking to you prayer is you talking to God and one guy said i'd rather have god talk to me about 95 percent of the time and I think i'll talk to him about five percent of the time in other words if you're gonna if you're gonna err on something uh let God talk to you and then pray and it shouldn't be shouldn't be hard to pray is it hard to talk to your wife well maybe you shouldn't answer It shouldn't be hard to talk to your friend. It shouldn't be hard to talk to somebody you like being with, right? We should pray. Fifthly, we should give thanks, man. We should give thanks. In everything, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is part of giving thanks? Tithing. I think it's, the, 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 it's taught from one end of the Bible to the other. It was before the law, after the law, during the law. <laughs> People say, I don't believe in New Testament time. Well, you're, just, you're just cheap trying to get out of it. It's before the law, Abraham. It's during the law, Moses. And it's after the law, brother. It was pra- practiced by the New Testament church. It's there. I'm privileged to be able to save 10% of what I make on this old earth and plus, 10% plus, because that's all you're ever going to see again of what you make in this old world. We tithe. We give thanks. We give him the first fruits. Why is it the first? Because it's a token of our gratitude. My mother taught me to tithe. Thank God for my mom coming up to me. The first paycheck I received, real official paycheck. And she said, son, you know, God wants to give you, wants 10%. I said, I'm glad to do it. Mom, would you take the 10% out, put it in a check, and Sunday give it to me. I'll take it to church. She did. I started at six, 15, 14, whatever it was. I got my first. It was easy. It. I've tithed when I've been broke. I've tithed when I've had extra. I Tithing is not whether you have a, people tell me, I can't afford to tithe. Are you out of your mind? You can't afford not to tithe. It says, and according to the Bible, Malachi says, will a man rob God? Will you rob me of, my t- of your tithes and offerings? The last thing I want to do is the, the, to the God that I'm asking to bless me is to be cheating him is to be robbing him. That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. No wonder he's not blessing you. First thing you do is you give him your tithe. The Bible says of the first fruits of your increase. It's not at the end if anything's left over. It's the first fruits you get that over with when you get the thing right at the front. You just give it to him. It's not my money. Let me tell you somebody else you ought to work that way with, the IRS. You take the IRS's money see what happens to you. You take their sales tax see what happens to you. Boy, the sales tax people are like the Gestapo, brother. They'll throw you in jail so fast you won't even believe it. They'll take you, they'll cuff you, stuff you, throw you in the back. You don't pay your sales tax. Well, oh, how about employment taxes? You take employment taxes, spend it for something else. You see how the IR now look, if men are that way, wow, what would God be like if you stole from God? I don't want to do that. You say, Brother Bill, think how much you've, you've had to give all these years Wow. You know what I learned? You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. He will shock you and awe you with what He'll do for you if you'll just be faithful. The sixth thing I know is just some a simple preparation of a Christian that wants to be a servant of uh, the first watch is to simply walk worthy of the calling that He's given you. Colossians 1 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. That just means my hand's on the plow and I'm not looking back. The seventh thing is we ought to read his instructions. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. And I'll not dwell there long because I spend so much time on that anyway. So let me review. Number one, be evangelistic. Number two, be holy and pure from evil. Three, demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number four, pray, pray, pray. Number five, give thanks and praise God, not just by your words, but in every area, your finances, your time, your treasure, and your talent. Number six, simply walk worthy of the calling of God with all pleasing. Have your heart in it. Don't do it out of just cold duty. Don't do it out of, well, I've got to do it. Do like old Don Sis says, I get to do this. And then lastly, read, read, read. Now for those who take this life in a cavalier manner, according to Jesus, you're going to be caught short. And there will be, I hate to say it, I hate to say this, but there will be Christians that take the call of God in a cavalier, careless way. And... It's almost a nuisance to him. It's sad. In verse 46 of chapter 12, the Lord of that servant will come in a day that he looketh not for him, in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder and will point him in portion with the unbelievers. I believe there are at least four different kinds of people he speaks about. The first one he speaks about, verse 44, I believe is the obedient or what I call the undivided, servant. I believe here in verse 46 he's talking about an unsaved individual that knows about it but did not accept it. Verse 47 I think he's talking about an unwilling servant that actually is saved. He says, and that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. And then 48 I think he's talking about an unknowing servant, a child of God, yes, but unknowing. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten a few t- few stripes. And then the summation statement: For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required; and to whom men have committed much, of him will he ask some more. Now you can argue who's who and all that, and what are the beaten. But I think if you'll go to First Corinthians chapter three and verse eleven through about fifteen. You'll see the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe if you'll look at that passage and compare it with Luke 12 here, that you'll see a, a parallel. That, that everybody someday, every born-again Christian, is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And our works will be look the 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 word picture in 1 Corinthians 3 there is that all of that we've done for God is going to be in a pile and the fire of God's discernment and His judgment is going to go through that, and the only thing that will remain will be the gold, silver, and precious stones, or the things that were done for Him as His servant in His name, and those things will be rewarded for Now, let's say that someone, all of his life is is put in this so-called pile, the fire of God's judgment burns it, and it's all hay, wood, and stubble. The Bible says, "Are they unsaved?" Noah says, "But they, they should suffer loss." You look the word "suffer" up. It means serious loss. But they will be saved as, but by fire. They'll be saved by fire. I think I've met a whole bunch of people through the years that are saved people. But the poor souls someday will be saved without any reward. And I'm talking eternally ashamed with God. Because the Bible says they'll suffer loss. People say, I'll just be glad to get to heaven. And you know, only people that ever tell me that are ignorant folks. Ignorant folks say all kinds of stuff, don't they? Amen. I mean, ignorant folks say all kinds of stuff. They make up stuff. Because it's not based on fact, right? When people come to me and say, I'll just be glad to go to heaven. I don't need anything. That's just ignorant. Because the Bible says that you have a reward to work for. God wants to give it to you, and you're going to want it. Now, who knows you better than you? You know you better than God knows you? No, I think God knows me better than I know me. And if this world is an an indication at all that we like things, if this world is an indication at all that we like things, then I think you're going to like things in heaven. Jesus said this, let not your heart be troubled. You Believe in God, believe so in me. My father's house, so many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare what? Oh, well, you don't care about anything. I don't. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I've seen a little bit of the Hubble telescope stuff, and all I can tell you, he's prepared some wild looking stuff. And if God, if Jesus in the last 2,000 years has somehow been preparing a place for me, it is going to flat out knock your socks off when He allows you to go there. And folks, why would you, and then you say, well, Brother Bill, do you work for reward? No, I don't work for reward. I work because I love Jesus and it's the right thing to do. And He died for me and has given me eternal life. And He's, he's uh, planted my feet upon a solid rock and established my going, put a new song in my heart, even praising our God. I, I, I'm grateful. Or what God's done for me. And I'm thrilled about it. But that doesn't take away his promise to reward. It's God's way. And he wants to reward us. And he's going to reward us. This is no game we're playing. We need to awake out of sleep. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed i like that first corinthians 15:34 awake to righteousness and sin not ephesians 5:14 awake thou that sleepest arise from the dead and christ shall give thee light ooh i like that the overall message of Scripture for you and I as a born-again believer is to rise up, be frosty, keep your hand on the plow, be prepared for the opportunity that's going to meet your preparation by the grace of God, and good things will happen. And you've prepared, my brother, sister, you've prepared. Now, opportunity is going to meet your preparation, like in that gym when them 100 kids showed up. Opportunity meant for eleven pages of preparation, seventeen hours. Something just wrong about that. There's <coughs> something just sinful about being in a plane seventeen hours. Wow, I think I'd go by boat or something. What kind of Christian are you tonight? I'm closing. I'm I'm circling the airport. <coughs> what kind of Christian are you? Are you a first watch Christian? Look at verse 38 of, of chapter 12 of Luke. That caught my eye. It should come in the second watch or in the third watch. Blessed are those servants. I think some will work while it's convenient and comfortable and amiable. I think that's the first watch. Some will work under some discomfort and some resistance and some pain. That's the second watch. There are some Christians. Who will work against all odds? Adoniram Iram Judson, William Carey, Hudson Taylor, on and on and on. Some of those are those who work against all odds with massive resistance, and incredible pain. That's the third watch. I don't know what watch you're in. Each of us has a watch. God puts us in I think anybody here in America has got to be in a first watch I don't I, I would there may be some folks in America that are in second or third watch type of a Christian but I can guarantee you there's some Christians in South Africa that are in second and even third watch I can guarantee you there's some folks over in the arab-speaking Muslim countries that are in the third watch and they're faithful to God May we be so. Will you take personally Jesus' warning? This ain't about playing church. This ain't about being a member of a social club. This is about serving the creator of all that is. This is about serving Jesus. Don't let the devil blow out your candle as he tries to come by and discourage you. People come in and say, I'll go door to door and meet somebody that's not going to church anymore, not reading their Bible, not living for God anymore. And I'll say, well, I knew a preacher one time and I really looked up to him and he did wrong. And from that, I never went back to church. i said, that preacher never saved you. Jesus died for you. Jesus never has disappointed me I determine and I think every servant of Jesus has got to determine that you're not going to let the failure of those around you stop you from serving the God that has never failed the class I graduated with 1100 of us many of those folks have become fatalities for God now I've been I've wept over some of them and my heart aches for some of them. I'm grieved and my spirit is some of them been taken. But you can't go to war without having casualties. You can't go to war without having people wounded. This is no game. We're at war against a real enemy who wants to kill us outright. And God himself is protecting us and giving us the grace to go forward and and brother, I, my, my salvation and my service for Jesus does not rest in anybody in this room. It doesn't rest in anybody by the grace of God in this world. It rests in Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. I don't want you to fall. I wanna, I'm want i for you. I'm going to do everything I can to help you now. But if you choose not to live for God, i got to go forward. i got to go forward. I need to live for Jesus. Father, help us tonight. Help us understand the warning of, of Luke chapter 12. The whole chapter, really, wow. The temporalness of this life and the eternal value of the next. Help us to weigh those things clearly. May you knock on our door. May preparation meet opportunity. And may, Lord Jesus, that you just guide each soul in this in this uh, sound of my voice, whether it be over the internet or whether it be here, that you guide each soul to find your will. Father, help us to be faithful servants. First Watch. Second watch or third watch? Help us to be faithful. There may be some in this room without Christ as their Savior. You've not made the decision to be a follower of Jesus yet. You've thought about it. You've reasoned around it. You've looked at it. Don't you let the failure of people stop you from coming to Jesus. He never failed. and He never will. Give your heart to the Lord Jesus, who died for you and shed His blood, and was resurrected, sealed by God the Father, that He is the Messiah. Believe it, receive it, and God will come to you and knock on your door. Father, help us tonight. May Your people be moved with the Spirit of God as He moves through this work room. In Jesus' name, Amen. You come to business. If you would like to know more about Jesus and a subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.